3: Confidently, been able to achieve the personal philosophy and value system I have, and manifest that throughout the collection. What's put forth is nowhere near the end goal, but it's light years ahead
0: of what was initially debuted. The first few times I experienced the Cold War was this: "Wow, I can do this!" This recognition of the power of the idea. Yes, you and yourself were quite a Cold War. Yeah. You know? And there's been this really interesting process. You've solved Cold wall got warm.
4: Hi, this is Imran Ahmed, founder and CEO of the Business of Fashion. And welcome to a very special episode of the BOF podcast. This week, our editor at large, Tim Blanks, sits down with Samuel Ross, designer and founder of the London-based fashion label, A Cold Wall. During this men's season, Samuel has moved his fashion show from London to Milan and it presented an opportunity for Tim Blanks to sit down with Samuel to take stock of the five years since he founded his label back in 2015. Samuel's business was self-funded and inspired by the British class system, reflecting on his personal story growing up in Brixton in a working class neighborhood and studying design. In this wide ranging conversation, Tim explores Samuel's personal story, his rise to becoming one of the most important menswear designers in London, and his decision to move his show to Milan. Here are Tim Blanks and Samuel Ross inside fashion.
0: Hi there, this is Tim Blanks. I'm with uh, Samuel Ross from A Cold Wall, And um, he has a lot of very exciting new developments on the horizon. So this is a conversation I'm very much looking forward to. I guess we start with the big news at the moment, which is that uh, you will be showing your next collection in Milan next week. Indeed, yes. And I'm very curious as to how that came about because that seems like a very big step.
3: Indeed, yeah. And I think that, you know, this step first came about after crossing paths and spending quite a bit of time with with um, Dylan Jones and Caroline Rush, uh, of course, after the BFCGQ award. And um, during that conversation, which of course led to the, the prize and the award, I, I was quite expressive in showing and in explaining where the future of a cold war will be heading. And that primarily is in uh, you know sophisticated men'swear, which speaks to uh, a younger generation uh, and almost forms a bridge point between streetwear and high fashion in a different slant than what we've seen. And I think that it must have resonated to a certain degree um, that proposition and they went forth to actually offer on the opportunity. Um, to potentially show in uh, in Milan Fashion Week, and of course Stefano, who sits on the board of the British Fashion Council, um, that's
0: Stefano from Tomorrow. Yes, Stefano uh,
3: Martinetto from yeah. from Tomorrow, um, which is your my, my business partner.
0: Your business partner, uh, of course. Yes.
3: Um, he also was incredibly helpful in, in procuring that relationship and, and making sure that uh, you know it was it was well understood what was to be put forth by Cold War in Milan.
0: Now you you have a very um, highly developed overview of of menswear uh, of the industry. Uh, what does it mean? So you well you do know you know what it means to show menswear in Milan, Indeed. don't you?
3: It, it means a maturing, um, you know, of, of of conversation, of dialogue, of ideas. It means a refinement, a sense of refinement to be put forth, and for me also really honestly feels like uh I could almost, you know, comfortably move forth into the next uh, you know, steps and, and stages of a Cold War's seminal growth. And the more conservative uh approach to menswear in Milan I'm really looking forward to showcasing the next step in the Cold War's journey in, in, in that scene, in that place amongst good company.
0: And how um has it affected your actual, your approach to the actual design of the clothing, knowing that you're going to be showing in what I suppose is still the epicenter of Manswear and the Well, it feels like
3: the opportunity and the conversation paralleled, you know, a personal rebirth. One could say, or having a bit of time to have a more introspective look at how does a cold war. Wish to grow um, for years to come, and what garments um, resonate with myself firstly before any, you know, type of brand, um, facade or persona, do I wish to stand by and put forth and bring forth into the world? And I think it also comes with the uh, you know point of reflection that Cold War is now five years old. I'm now starting to think about the next ten to fifteen years. And, of course, maturing and growing um, myself and my audience. And that's really burrowed deeply into, you know, the direction of the collection to be shown.
0: You said something so interesting about how you see your... uh career I guess your life mm-hmm. but your, your career reflects that obviously as a boy to man indeed uh, boyhood to manhood mm-hmm. uh, this is the path you're following so a cold wall is five years old indeed, yeah. and assuming that you were the boy at the beginning
4: mm-hmm.
0: how old would you say you are at this moment this five-year <laughs> kind of landmark yeah the five-year
3: point and I'd say specifically the shift that we've seen in the M65 exhibit and the you know shift that we'll see in the AW20 collection, I'd probably say I'm around 15 years old. You know what's put forth is nowhere near um, you know the end goal, but it's it's this light years ahead of what was initially debuted. I'd say.
0: So the, the the boy to man, you're you're sort of mid-teens at this point. I'd say so, yeah. And so you're going to Milan is almost it's the beginning of the next chapter. It it's is. like you're leaving home it's, in a way, it, isn't it?
3: It's almost like The knighting of, uh, you know, Boy to Man is that first step into uh, maturing the brand and and maturity of um, what's put
0: forth. And in a funny way, standing on your own two feet, I guess. Totally, totally that,
3: because it's it's a new landscape. It's a new um, audience and demographics and the expectation uh, and how the clothes will be received is completely different. And uh, it feels um, actually it's incredibly liberating to be able to have um, the opportunity at such a seminal turning point in the brand's history to almost show this new um, slant or tint or facet of a Cold War. I've never felt this aligned with the work I've put forth out of a Cold War. As most people know, a lot of the story of a Cold War has been primarily DIY up until, let's say, year four. And year three, now I'm at a point where uh, structurally we have um, a brilliant team in place. I'm able to articulate myself correctly, you know, understanding more rules and, and laws of menswear uh, and how people wish to be dressed and how they wish to express themselves with garments. And that's really informing what's coming out of the brand now. It's it's no longer solely based on oneself and this pursuit of self-expression that's an artistic endeavor a cold wall is a it's a menswear brand a luxury menswear brand is, is the pursuit here and there's a sense of servitude and quality heavily enlisted
0: into that ideology now which maybe
3: was a little bit more um, unclear before in my offering
0: I, I think you know you use the word ideology and I, that's very interesting because a cold wall is Everything I've read, everything you've said, everything I've seen in the past, Mm -hmm. there's a philosophy and, and, and there's a a level of research and a, and a kind of a clarity of thought, which is kind of interesting. It feels so, it feels so analytical. It's Mm -hmm. almost counterintuitive. It's not like this sort of, it didn't feel like a wildly instinctive, gotta do it sort of thing. It felt like this really researched project. And you, you know your background is graphic art, mm-hmm. and you're not a, you're not a fashion person per nope. se. But this notion of the project intrigues me. Like, mm-hmm. what was a Cold War? I've read so much about how it was your meditation on your working class origins, mm-hmm. and it all. I, I started to feel like I was reading like Baby Karl Marx or mm-hmm. something after a while. That it was. I, I'm curious about about that about. The very beginning of a cold war, and and whether that was right. What I read about you thinking about where you came from and inserting this consciousness into a fashion context.
3: It, it's interesting because you know, as you as you rightly said, so much of my background and my education is primarily graphic design and then product design, um, working for graphic and product design agencies and companies before stepping into fashion for a good few years. And that process of articulation, um, you're right, it's less haphazard, I'd say it's more um, this process of almost fine tooth combing and trying to problem solve and trying to articulate um, issues and occurrences. In some type of visual output, and talking about the origins of a cold war, and and it reflecting a working class system, one that I you know heavily relate to. Um, there's almost this balance between reflecting one's past, but also overlaying one's immediate environment and household. As you know, my mother is a she's a sociologist and psychology lecturer. At Northampton University, uh, my father holds a, a degree in finance from CSM as a stained glass artist and, and an MA in, in industrial design. So there, there's this real learned approach to expressing oneself,
0: and almost you almost grew real, up with. Yes, yeah, you grew up surrounded by.
3: Yeah, this. I, I was I was homeschooled for three to four years. Um, yeah. Also, so there's this real studious approach, which kind of filters through um, the majority of creative endeavors I put forth, including the cold war. Uh, but you're right. There's this. Deeper underpinning to try to reflect a sense of um, occurrences in society, which may be a little hazy, but it always
0: underpins um, what's put forth from a, a cold wall. But it's it's kind of a forbidding notion, yeah. a cold wall. It, it feels like it feels like it's keeping you out, mm. and not only is it keeping you out, but it's also cold. Yes. So um, th- there was something there that that always. Also, the sort of slightly neutral industrial nature of the name, you you thought, oh, maybe this is a kind of combine of people. Maybe mm-hmm. this is a, a cell, like mm-hmm. a revolutionary cell or something. It, and then, of course, obviously, I find out that it's you and there, there is an individual there. But it seemed from the beginning, even though it was totally about you, you didn't want people to know that in a way. You wanted to Give yourself this kind of anonymity.
3: Indeed, and it was really about understanding my experience. Most likely, is not one of my own, but actually one of a demographic and one of a tier in, in society. And being able to kind of hold up this mirror and reflect, uh, reflect, reflect. Even um, you know what people have experienced within um, that that world and what people have kind of been through. It wasn't exclusive to myself, and it, it almost comes back to this idea of understanding that you are within you know a wider ecosystem and there are veins and strands of that ecosystem and one's experience is often shared or should be shared um, and it's interesting you pull the cell uh reference or the organism reference because it's always been about that communal um spirit based on shared experience and i think that's really helped to you know drive a sense of um not just cult but um philosophy into the psyche of the early underpinnings of a cold war which primarily were streetwear
0: before it it matured and moved into uh you know menswear this this idea that you had when you looked around you was it something that you felt didn't exist that was needed
3: precisely that it was it's always been service-based and based on you know filling a need or finding a gray or gap i wouldn't have started um a clothing line without having an intent to actually deliver a new message, which wasn't scribed.
0: And did you think that the reason why you could see that gap is is that you, is because you weren't a fashion person, and and so you you could stand back and look at it with a mm. with a with a quite a clean eye, clean graphic. Mm-hmm. What kind of graphics were you were you doing? Were it, you it, were graphic, it, was, it was
3: primarily graphic design type of graphic work, and actually, like would, what sort of stuff, uh, like uh, Nalovich? or it, you know? it was more dieter Dieter RAMs, brawn led um, oh, system okay. based. Yeah, uh, specifically when I was in you know product design for about a year and a half, two years, I was designing you know fridge components and pots and pans and very literal wares, as well as uh, you know like manuals. And, and typographic systems and whatnot. So, so
0: functionality was very, very important.
3: Exactly that. It was almost you know the uh, the initial node that was in place um, for a lot of my, my direction. And it was always about, to be honest, how does an entity form and how does an entity preserve ID and communicate to to audience? What do you mean by an entity? Well, this this idea of you know pivotal important brands that that have existed almost surpassed, you know the initial notion of a brand and they move into entity Um, like a
0: vacuum cleaner becomes a Hoover
3: well it's it's almost like you know you can have Dell and then you can have Apple one is a brand and service and one is an entity which has a philosophy and persona in which people feel they can um, be brought towards and almost clip into for saying I was incredibly interested on this idea of of, of entity and, and community existing alongside brand and product and that's always kind of driven um, you know elements of record rules development per se you
0: would, would you say that was your ambi- that would be your your ambition in the end would you, would be to become an entity
3: ideally yes and it's this idea of entity versus deity an and entity oh my leading, god you know an en- entity <laughs> being in, in, in place. The same high you know and, and like Jung being referenced where, where, where possible and, and um uh, and it comes down again to just personal reading into like stoicism and taking values from different um you know facets of society and pushing them into the brand and i'm kind of rambling a bit now going all over the place with the conversation but this is kind of the process which it ultimately leads into a suit or, or into an you know and uh, articulates itself as a piece of footwear all of these uh you I know spectrums of thought filter in to that asymmetric line or to that that material choice What's
0: about that mm. texture contrast uh, but i get that i mean i think when i said forbidding there was mm. when you talk about stoicism i mean it's not necessarily that you go to a fashion show mm. or or look at a collection of clothing and and feel that you're being given a lesson in endurance mm. um, I although some fashion shows obviously are a, a test of your patience and so on but uh, that's a very curious um grand philosophical mm framework mm-hmm. on which to hang mm-hmm. a suit yes um it's interesting you, I, I guess i see now how um you know you you connected with virgil abloh because mm-hmm. he found you on instagram and if this is what your instagram was exploring it did i could see how he would think hmm here's a kindred spirit
3: indeed and it was also he came across my profile on 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 instagram but we both come from the school of design. Mm. So there were already nuances and codes in how I would maybe communicate or or put and display my work online as like a product designer or graphic designer would, which he could ins- immediately, um, I guess, resonate with is the best way, because of course, he came from the school of architecture, school of design, product design, similar ways in which, uh, you know, creative individuals put themselves forth into market. So the relationship we held, um, you know, it was it was a, a, a real working relationship for years. And then, you know, I over a few years after that it, it turned into a friendship and more of like a, a younger bro- brother and, and big brother uh, relationship. But it was it was always based primarily on um you know, this idea of proficient work coming forth and the work ethic is what leads and drives all aspects of what we do and why we communicate. Is that yeah. what you took
0: from him, do you think? That work ethic?
3: Yeah, the, it was definitely the work ethic um, and a sense of fearlessness, I'd say. Um, he really. I do love the carries. each one,
0: teach one. Notion.
3: Totally that. And it's, they, it's, it's I, I have a, that in text message, him talking that.
0: <laughs> it's it's such yeah. a, uh, I mean, it's something you could have kind of scratched on your chest, each totally. one, teach one. Yeah. yeah.
3: Super important.
0: I I think it's um so how long were you actually connected to how long were you kind of working? So I started
3: you? working for Virgil. Um it was actually Virgil and Donda. So I was working for the for Virgil and the entity Donda um from the age of twenty-two up to about twenty about
0: twenty-five. And and was there um apart from the work ethic, was was being near being in the proximity of him and, and Kanye, uh, it, did it also show you ways you didn't want to be?
3: Do you know, I think that, so I remember the first time meeting both of them and it was in Paris and it was the Kanye APC second presentation, because I was tying up the laces for all of the Timberland boots. You know, you, you kind of get your hands dirty and do what you can um as you should do when you're trying to make a way in 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 industry and um i think it was more it was about being transported into this different universe and and different world if you kind of imagine you know you've kind of gone through uni you've got your first class degree you've gone to like a product design um agency and whatnot you're not exposed or aware of um how these other creative industries and facets of society um, live and think and work and and, and carry themselves. So that was almost the biggest um, point of revelation was almost being exposed. And I say exposed because it was like this moment of like a part of your your mind almost opening up and becoming more conscious of how powerful one's will um, can be and where that willpower can take one. It was
0: a real revelation. think I think about Virgil as being quite profligate Mm. I think of Virgil as being like this vast canvas of Mm. various activities and Mm. and you know when you throw so much against the wall Mm. some of it's going to stick you know inevitably and when I look at what you do I think focus Mm. seems to be to be a lot more important and a lot more impressive Mm. in a way Mm. that um, I've always believed that when you do a lot with a little, mm. you make a much bigger impression than when you do a little with a lot.
3: Indeed, because you must harness and intensify the resources. Or This collection, again, kind of showcases my own signature or, or slam, one could say, that my process is one of study and intensity and um, really function and design thinking is probably the best term I could think of to summarise, it, it's design thinking and it's reducing and it's ensuring that only essential information and product and goods and artefacts and articles are left behind and put forth. And I, I think that kind of goes into like an overarching philosophy that I kind of have on life as a whole. As I mentioned to you, I threw out, I, I don't know if I mentioned this to you, but I threw out over like 450 products over the Christmas holiday, um, heavily started moving into minimalism as a whole, um, you mean at,
0: at your home? Yeah, four hundred and fifty products, meaning mm. goods, what sort of sneakers, um, books,
3: all of that. Yeah, clothes. Like four hundred and fifty things, things in out. total. This um, action of throwing out four hundred and fifty items or objects really came from beginning to look into this modern take on minimalism, specifically Japanese minimalism, and looking at minimalists that came a bit more prominent after the Tokyo tsunami hit, and it immediately strung a parallel chord to this idea of functional design, design thinking, only putting forth what is needed and necessary, Um, and having the ability to really distill and focus one's opinion and one's taste. And that goes from garments, just philosophy and ethical, moral uh, values and systems. And of course, that's heavily affected now the direction of a Cold wall and the clothes that are being put forth. For example, our last collection made a total of 280 skews existed in our last collection. This season, we're down to around 140. And actually, the team is still carving away now. It's this idea of only putting forth what is essential and what is you know, incredibly well made uh,
0: versus the pursuit of simply expressing one's opinion. So it's the philosophy of 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 having, or having one beautiful thing. Yes, is better than having a hundred. Indeed. Mediocre. Indeed. Things. Or having a system to
3: say, of five to ten garments which work in cohesion consistently, and it may be that you only you know replenish that system, once every six months,
0: which is completely fine. I think it's very noticeable in the fabrics that you're using in this collection that they're they're opulent mm-hmm. but they're mysterious indeed and uh that is you know you could you, you, they're fascinating mm-hmm. so how often would you sit down with a shirt and mm-hmm. try and work out what it actually is that mm-hmm. you're looking at but i did get that feeling while i was looking at some of these things mm-hmm. so that's kind of a wonderful emotion, emotion to, to pass on to people
3: and it feels new for a cold war uh, and for myself to be able to connect those dots together, um, still putting forth a, a refined product which can carry that mystique and can carry that depth and intensity and that richness. And as you said, the word opulence summarizes it really well. And I'm, I'm flattered also that, that that you'd say that. Um, but it definitely feels like it's been a time of study and refinement and, you know, behind the scenes quite extreme change uh, in terms of business operations and and procuring and building the correct team and, and division to reflect um, complete honesty to myself and to where the brand um, should be going and to also the audience and, and people who have seen my journey and followed my journey. You know, I'm taking a real, almost a, a vow to integrity. Um,
0: that's how I feel at this point with this collection. Do, do you feel, in a way, that's why there's all this talk about the movement away from streetwear? You know, mm-hmm. Virgil said streetwear's over. Mm-hmm. And when you talk about this, when you talk about this notion of refining and mm-hmm. reducing, and it is kind of the antithesis of having a hundred pairs of trainers and yeah. and having a hundred hoodies and and the whole notion of the drop driving people yeah. into this compulsive consumerism. Um, It's been difficult. Do do you feel yourself kind of moving away from that? Now, when people say streetwear is over, Um, what's what's your answer to that?
3: I battle with it a lot, and I have done almost like silently for about a year and a half. Really from the first, the second Nike release, the Nike ACW Vimero sneaker, the whole premise was to have a sneaker which ages and develops over time. Due to creating patinas and different um, levels of UV coatings across different panels on the sneaker, um, it was this idea of extending, uh, you know, the the life cycle of one product, which of course counters the whole philosophy of, for the most part, sneaker culture and disposability, exactly, and overconsumption, and um, almost there being an incorrect value system. That I don't really agree with so that was the first almost like step away from that way of thinking and operating and it's just become even more prominent um, from myself of the m65 exhibit having one pattern which works amongst seven deadstock fabrics you know one pattern which works amongst seven deadstock fabrics says a lot for overconsumption and, and you know efficient design and, and functionality and I feel like to be honest, Tim, I'm just at a point where I'm not going to pander my output to what may be uh, expected, but it's more so really owning the narrative of a Cold War and you know, taking the first step in building a, a, a really uh, mature and sophisticated legacy within not just fashion, but design as a whole. Uh, And that's where I'm I'm kind of at with the overconsumption. I'm not really in alignment
0: with it. We need to talk about the M65 Mm -hmm. project. During the London fashion weekend Mm -hmm. that we just had, you launched um, a revision of um, an American military jacket called the M1965, which was developed during the Vietnam War, which is kind of classic field jacket in a way, isn't it? And just explain what it is that you did mm-hmm. to this jacket with the seven deadstock fabrics, which were each of them so distinct. Indeed, It was a one garment, but a distinctly different story with every mm-hmm. single iteration of it. Mm-hmm. And the whole way you staged it mm-hmm. um, in in a the drama of yes. the theatre, mm-hmm. of, of the sort of the minimalism on the one hand, and then this incredible context that you place
3: reverence almost
0: yeah it actually it was quite a weirdly spiritual thing on that strange rubber floor that was a bit like being on the set of aliens yes yeah yeah. it was it was quite um yeah it was very it was very it harked back to those amazing shows that you did that were hugely those intense operatic um quite scary Mm. uh and and dystopian Mm -hmm. and i guess maybe there's something about the smell of black rubber that, that you know smells like dystopia in the morning but um that yeah i know i've talked about the m65 so you could talk about it a little bit because it, it was a very interesting that the whole thing the trimmings yeah i think you need to mention those of, of, that of idea course of course it just so great it was this deep dive
3: intense study um you know into the history of The M65, which is on one hand, such a recognisable garment, but on the other, this anonymous jacket that's been appropriated for the last four to five decades. And it really strung um, this idea of how does one communicate to a global audience in the medium of garment design and in fashion. And this idea of this product, which has been um, purchased and reinterpreted by millions of, of souls across the world seemed like the right garment to carry a new narrative for a cold war speaking to a global audience and having this uh, communal conversation. because of course the M65s that were produced from deadstock fabric, the fabrics were beautiful Italian mills milled by or um, in partnership with Limonta and, and with Mayocchi and Omnitex brilliant meals. And as you mentioned, the fabrics were very specific. They each carried their own persona. Um, their own drama, their own um, weight, and their own color story, of course. And they each had um, attributes. For example, the beige coat. There was a, a UV photosensitive um, film that was applied. So when it was in, you know, UV light, it would go to a rich navy. There was a, a like a, a maroon colored M65, and underneath um, this maroon lacquer and film there was a matte black finish and over time the the maroon lacquer would peel and you get this beautiful patina and, and, and fragility to the jacket almost living and moving and, and breathing it was almost as though the agenda was to create a time lapse um throughout time of how the m65 can evolve and, and how it can live and On the other hand, it was just uh, an amazing opportunity to kind of showcase the level of study that's going into our our pattern cutting and and pattern making, Um, finding a pattern that can work across all these different materials and still be enjoyed and not, uh, you know, succumb to the fabric, but actually work in partnership with it. So we produced 75 jackets in total and um, we allowed the, the public, our main audience, to of course sign up for the opportunity to not just view the exhibit, but to potentially leave with one of the jackets free of cost. Um, so, 75 of these M65 dead Italian milled, London produced jackets, which are also packable, were given out to select individuals who signed up to view the exhibit. And how did they sign up? They, they signed up for our, our online website. Um, so,
0: 75 people signed up on your website yes. to come and see this artifact yes. and be gifted one. Indeed. At the end of- free of cost
3: wow and it's this idea of literal altruism and sharing of knowledge and information which
0: you talked about the different relationship with your with your um customer i guess you'd call yes him or her um, that's not a sustainable notion on a, on a, on a, on a grand scale though
3: but no but it is it's interesting to look at how marketing budgets can be phased in more Um, you know altruistic manners and um, that's actually what what we did we typically you know took part of our marketing budget which had been used for like a global campaign and actually we decided to push it into this activation uh, and and speak and communicate directly to artisans and novelists and and intellects and you know the 75 people that were given the jacket again this is another turning point for a cold war in how we operate they were handpicked you know you know we did a, you know, we asked for people's um, interests and hobbies and occupations, and then we we selected people who were aligned with the philosophy of a cold war, and I think that's completely healthy to do because it's ensuring that the correct people are given the opportunity to understand and digest the product. And is that and is there a notion of them becoming ambassadors in a way? Then it's almost you know aligning with the correct individuals who hold the same value system as us. So in Almost yes, but it's more it feels a bit more sincere um, we're like we don't really believe in like the social media influencer, you know I believe in the intellect and the artisan and the individual who knows who they are and, and wants to better oneself
0: and how do people respond to 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 the 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 idea i mean I'm really curious when I walked into that room because there was a huge range and I'm, I'd be so curious that out of those 75, seven, you made 75? Yes. What people gravitated towards? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I am like a kind of magpie and I see the orange one and I just, I veer towards the orange. I did the, the same thing. One. Yeah, it was So, um, so alive. Yeah. But what did most people kind of... And the blue one was gorgeous as well. But what did most people steer towards? Because there was also a very sober yeah. black one. There was a navy one. There was that Tyvek one that was more beautiful. kind of sure you know, life on the space station. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's, it's
3: interesting because immediately the, the saturation that the orange brings forth just pulls one's eye immediately in and we saw that again and again. The same with the blue um, treated nylon. but. I'd say the most popular was probably the memory ripstop black, um, black M65, which gives that buoyancy between something that is still quite esoteric and and, and abstracted, um, but still has the layer of functionality due to the colour. Of course,
0: will you do the M65? Will you will you put it in the collection? As a- there is an M65 in in the collection, yes. That you you sell as you
3: know, that anyone can exactly that. And it has, I mean, it has a beautiful wash on it, but it's a different pattern block. Um, because of course it sells a different purpose, but it will be referenced moving forth. But this was really, um, you know, an, an exhibit which felt incredibly honest and it, there was no secondary agenda underneath it. It was like, let's communicate our ideology and our philosophy and let's, um, you know, be completely uncompromised and fearless on who we wish to speak to and our proposition to our community.
5: Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance.
2: Swing that handbag over your shoulder or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.
1: Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? For me, I got a chef grade range recently and now I'm cooking new things every single night. Seriously, no cuisine is off limits. Luxury Beyond Limits, experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.
0: We've talked about the M65 quite a lot, but I, I think the thing that in, it intrigued me was it It came with a book about the process yes. of creating the incredibly detailed, like a technical manual. Thank you. Like building a jet fighter, yeah. you know, it was so hmm. complex. And it seems to me that, that that's always been a very important thing to you Um, the emphasis on process Mm -hmm. and um you provide an enormous amount of data around what you do it's interesting because it's you know fashion is an emotional business and and people respond to clothing in an emotional way so it's intriguing to be given data this very cold kind Mm of boiled down to sort of real mm. minuscule nuts and bolts page after page after page it's almost like build your own jacket now mm. you know I wonder why you do that why you why it, it, you obviously have a very very kind of you have a very it's not a linear mind mm. it's lateral but it's mm. very um intense intense so and detailed mm. I, I feel like like OCD Is
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it, it's it's the easiest way for me to process information myself most likely. So it's almost sharing an element of my own learning process and mirroring that to individuals and to consumers and into market itself. And it, it's funny because I spent a good two to three days writing that, that booklet which would be 48 pages.
0: And um, With somebody from NASA or something.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, another green tea, it's 3M in the morning. Uh, but it was this idea of: I'm not going to actually speak about this. I'm just going to write this and let people delve into it themselves. And the way it hung on, on the front of the garment, it's almost like a proposition. You know, it's like red pill, blue pill. You can sit here and just enjoy the jacket, or you can really get into it and understand why you know okay well how. you said
0: red pill blue pill Um there is something of that there has always been something mm. of that in a cold war the yes. matrix there's 100%. always been this is this real mm-hmm. you know like you really want to you really want to shape really want to shape people's sense of of, um, of reality
3: and and, and, yeah. talking points, and also, also shift what the expectation is again not from a brand but from an entity you know and, and what I would expect it's almost trying to problem solve what I necessarily haven't seen from other brands and trying to fill in the gaps. And sometimes you get it wrong. Sometimes it's far too heavy. We spoke about AW19, huge learning curve. At that time, best garments made, but not necessarily the best way to communicate the garments. Um, So it's also a a process of taking those risks and then pairing back and taking more risks and, and understanding what kind of fits and clips into uh, our system and system and way of doing things uh, and I'm happy to have that public uh
0: learning happen well you 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 said that you know one thing you learned from Virgil was fearlessness um one thing that impressed you was fearlessness you know there's a fearlessness and pretension, mm. and I think you were very pretentious mm. you know mm-hmm. you, you there was this what i what I was getting the first few times I experienced the cold war was this Wow! I can do this. Yes, I can do this. There was this enthusiasm and, and this this recognition of the power of the idea. Yes, and boom! And it was this, you were quite you were fierce you were, mm-hmm. and you were forbid, you were forbid, you were forbidding you you were you yourself were quite a cold war. Yeah, you know? And there's been this really interesting process because you were, you became a father. You're a new father. Indeed. And when I look at these clothes now. Mm-hmm. I love following people's own stories and what they do, and because I've seen seen a lot of stories, yeah, you can see it's something as simple as softening that changes your whole. Yeah. Life. You've solved them. totally, and it's it cold war
3: got warm, a hundred percent. And sometimes I think about that <laughs> in terms of oh, this is such a you know a, a corrosive name. Um, let's throw a service point one in there. It sounds a bit more human, you know, for the M sixty five, but. Yeah, you're right. There was first this um excitement of having tools and being able to communicate and express um, opinions and, and hold attention with these tools. But actually, that was um, almost, I'd say, the end of the first chapter of a Cold War. As I mentioned earlier, the first three years primarily were about expressing my own experience, which was a shared experience, as soon as that, that chapter had been closed, um, there was almost this point of wandering for myself as a designer and, and understanding, do I want to be classed as you know an, an artistic um, individual who uses clothes as a medium, or do I want to be and put forth a, a proposition of menswear and, of course, I went for the menswear route, which felt the most natural. But with that, it's the purge of all of the other animated aspects that I may have been known for. At this point, it's a conversation about systems and it's heavily embodied in the product versus one's um, one's ego. And I say ego in, in the sense of, that well, I have an ego, but in the sense of one's awareness to oneself. It's almost... The brand is to be a mirror to, to reflect um, necessities and needs within the luxury fashion market, or at least to have proposals put forth in that market. For example, um, we started selling um, open source hardware online, which are service packs of, of trims, um, fully branded from ready-to-wear and, and mainline collections, which are you know being offered and, and sold to consumers at let's say 20 pounds a pack for a set of five to six trims and it's this idea of democratizing this the way in which a brand can communicate or an entity can communicate with its audience um in how, a way,
0: how does that actually work you mean you can personalize your clothing or
3: how well in, in theory yes it's, it's again the expectancy of the a cultural consumer and, and and the truth is that the consumer is, is quite intellectual they're quite learned they're quite um, curious and they want to know about process. They want to know about wash. They want to know about dye. They want to know about trim weight. They want to know about row colors and offering hardware components, literally, um, you know, like packets of of zips and pullers, which we've, um, of course, cast into custom shapes and match to specific pantones to the audience offers a sense of trust and personalization for a much more democratic price. If you can't afford the coat, for 1200 you can definitely afford the trims for £40. And I know that my consumer will take that to the right tailor and it will be applied in the correct manner. So it's open source um, design that consumers can engage with without being priced out at. Is there anybody else doing anything like this? I don't believe so. To this point, I haven't seen or found anyone else
0: doing so this. So they get a pack from you yes. of... Decorative elements of yes. like, what? Buttons? Like snaps or trims snaps. or zip pulls. And they need a specialized tailor to fix these for them or what? Well, or- they,
3: they could be fixes in a makeshift manner, but I know that the, the demographic will go to a, a tailor and it will be applied um, appropriately and properly.
0: Or their mums.
3: Indeed. <laughs> 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 I've all, uh, but it will, it will, you know, it will be preserved and it, it gives this opportunity for brands and entities to think what is next for fashion and how do we keep, you know, the pendulum swing moving forward? And this idea of open source sharing, the same way, you know, um, Space 10 um, share, uh, you know, downloadable files to open source housing. Um, it's the same parallel what Coldwall is doing now or testing out uh, within fashion. It's this wider ethos of design communication and the future of fashion and the future of design.
0: Like it sort of ties into what, what people are doing with 3D printing. Like exactly you know that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But so you say where it's going, where is it going? Then where, 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 where do you see this leading? I mean, you, you know, the M 65 was mm-hmm. sort of, we talk about the democracy of that notion, the democracy of the, the, um, applying on that writing away online for trims for your garments and so on. Um, that eventually your, your design becomes a collaboration with your customer, like really a collaboration. It becomes a system, doesn't it? And it, it becomes a, a rapport. And I'm really interested. I don't
3: necessarily think that the whole of fashion is going to systems and to system-based uh, you know, purchase and operation, but that's what I'm really passionate about is building systems and functional, proficient design offerings around and in the world and realms of clothing. So that's what I'm really honing in on. You know, that's uh, now becoming a macro point of a cold war. It's that drilling and intensity of information. And, and the why that leads that is because we believe the future of fashion design has room to be open source and has room to be system-based and has room to you know, have a selling point based on function and technicality and internal detailing as well as it does to continue to
0: operate based off emotion, which, which you mentioned earlier. And this includes notions like circularity and upcycling Indeed. and sustainability, exactly and yeah. And this is you—you you feel this is the future. This is a future for all of those ideas. Indeed,
3: yes, confident about it.
0: It's interesting because there's a sort of um, futuristic element in the product. Mm-hmm. You know that that it it's it's an it's almost an intriguing paradox that there's. Even though your clothes are so modern, Mm -hmm. they're very consoling in a way. You know? Mm -hmm. And I wonder if that's also something to do with your sort of newly honed paternal instincts that you're you're feeling.
3: I I believe so. There's this spiritual. Indeed. And there's there's this like spirituality that I've been, you know, what the sense of being a spiritual being has become more and more relevant, of course, as my daughter grows, and um, as you know, myself and my fiance begin to move on to the next phases in, in life. But also this um, this amalgamation between what is truly important to an individual and one's existence, and how entity and brand can interact um, within that dialogue and within that conversation. And I think that's where, you know, the, the consoling and, and comforting and more organic um, notions are starting to make a lot of sense. Yeah, You know, the, the more um, macabre and dystopian and, and, and corrosive elements are almost falling away. And what you're seeing is almost like a new shell or new skin,
0: um, which is the true format, um, come forth now. Well, you said entity to deity, Um I wonder how many people know that you have a cathedral tattooed on your head.
3: Yes, uh, tattooed by by Maxime of Sang Blue, um, who also he did do this. I'm going to say also um, was heavily involved in the Rick Arins logo and has tattooed many others and is quite well known, um, close friend. But it goes back down to this idea of architecture um, being able to govern. Um, one's feeling and sovereigns of space and the physical and the metaphysical being so heavily um, tied together. Um, we're getting deep now, but these are all nuances, which, which people also see in aw 20 show. If you look at the, um, the set that we've built, um, it's very architectural. It's a series of structures, um, but the structures also aligned in with the direction you've seen of the M65, not the old ways. It's still in line with the new way.
0: Because you haven't given this show and you haven't given the show in Milan a title. No, no title. So you are. it's it's a more open proposition than it's ever been before. Precisely or? that. Precisely that.
3: And and you know, I feel like it's almost parallel to the feeling that was brought forth from um the latest exhibition. It's the work and the space and the feeling you're and the quality will put forth the proposition versus um Myself feeling the need to govern and coddle and define it, you know. This is the first time I, again, with you know, reducing and refining down the garment offering and honing and tightening up the proposition of garments put forth. There's an there's more of an openness now, and there's more of a security in not having to protect and define the work as much, and allowing people into the work and to cast their own opinion onto it because. I'm incredibly confident with the work at this point.
0: Do you do you feel that you've that you kind of you're emblematic of changes in the fashion industry that that you know there have been the the the, the debates over the last few years in fashion about inclusivity and diversity and so on and um, you know Virgil becoming this sort of figurehead and, yeah. and um, the industry. Making very earnest efforts to open up. Do you feel that you you are part of those changes?
3: Yes, yes. In 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 certain regards, yes. I I would say so. Um, and I, it's it's an interesting one because I feel like it's naturally happened, and a lot of it in regards to inclusivity and the consciousness and awareness to it. One could cast down a serendipity uh, as well, because my total endeavor has been, of course, by nature, just to produce um, work that is good and 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 and, and resonates with, with people of its time. But of course, so deeply woven into a cold wall is this story of um, the unheard voice. One could say, and, and typically in society, that manifests itself. Um, as a working class and often people... Yeah, because of you talked notion. about
0: class, you never talked about colour, which I thought was yeah. really interesting. Yeah, yeah. and
3: it, it, it's because it's more the importance of the visibility of, of colour that I'm interested in, but also having a full spectrum shown because, of course, I'm incredibly proud of my like my Black Caribbean heritage and Black British heritage. But I've shared so many narratives up and down this country with people from different walks of life and different ethnicities and different places. And I'm heavily focused on telling the full communal story and having full communal representation at, at this point. Now, if you think to the first, again, three years of a Cold War is primarily my narrative and that world was shown in in the casting of models and it was shown in, in who was walking the shows and fronting our campaigns, but as I feel that i've almost expressed as much as I can in that space i again want to touch upon what isn't being spoken on, and that being you know a more global uh, civilization which I believe is the future, which again strings into this idea of the pursuit of futurism and altruism and, and making sure that I'm manifesting that as much as I've shown homage to the present and the past.
0: It's so interesting that this thing we see happening in London that really isn't happening anywhere mm. else um, to, to the same degree uh, with people like Grace Wells Bonner and you, designers who present their work with with a manifesto. Yes. Um and um almost like a well grace does give you a reading list Mm -hmm. you know and it's a very interesting it's it it, it, I, i find that a fascinating development because there's a sense of i guess responsibility or accountability that feels uh it feels new to me because i guess it suggests to me designers appreciate they have a voice and they have to use the voice now, but totally. if you don't speak out, then you, you can't, it's an issue. Yeah. You can't complain about yeah. what's going on. and Try and yeah. make a change yourself. I,
3: I also think it's that there's something quite endearing about, you know, designers who are willing to be honest about what's happening and speak about what's happening and show that they are still, you know, connected and conscious of the realities of, of, of the world and people's living circumstances and day-to-day is outside of our, our world, you know, and I think that it's 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 a responsibility to a certain degree, but it must be impassioned and it must be informed before one is to speak, or it can actually be quite damaging and, and quite dangerous as well for, like, false information to be put forth and false experience to be put forth. Um, so it's not that, you know, kind of, like, mind mapping now and throwing out just thoughts and emotions on, on, on the notion. I wouldn't necessarily want people who do not care and who are apathetic to speak on matters such as um, race and civil welfare and ethics and, and, uh, and, and, and you know politics and society as a whole, but the people who do care and, and who are well-informed within our, our industry and within our community should put forth their opinions uh, because this idea of social conscience should be raised and should be encouraged and induced,
0: I believe. Are people responsive when you do that, or do you, do you still feel there's a little bit of there's a bit of cynicism about fashion designers, you know, speaking out on on things?
3: I think it's improving, um, and you know, at first I would say people would maybe figure oh, this is just a dreamer; he, he's just dreaming a society, mm-hmm. and that is true. Yes, and it is important to do so because that's, of course, how how systems change and how we move forth, but. Um, I think when you begin to not just speak but do, of course, um, people then start to maybe take the notions a little bit more seriously and, and truly believe and, and truly get behind the cause and and show. Well, not it's not about showing respect; it's, it's showing a, a, a alignment or allegiance to to a positive notions being put into the ether, which is important.
0: And and then do your clothes become kind of well, I, I said ambassadors before, do your clothes become kind of ambassadors for your worldview at that point? If people, if people see, if people are made aware of things like respect for craft yeah. and um you know the importance of appreciating the worth mm. of something rather than just moving on pell mell to the next big mm. thing. You know, it's, you're compelling a way of looking totally. at things. I mean, I'm looking at those clothes, and I'm seeing, I'm, I'm, see, I'm there's all sorts of elements in the clothing mm. that that make you stop and think. So,
3: and I think this is probably, again, I'm speaking honestly. This is probably the first time I've, I've, confidently been able to achieve, you know, the personal philosophy and value system I have, and manifest that throughout the collection. Um, without having to maybe look away from anything. You know, it's, it's the first time the two have kind of sat in line and it's sharing a, a view, but it's also sharing, a, I'd say, a philosophy and that philosophy being proposition in product, but also, again, making sure that reading material is present um, to almost justify why these these propositions are coming forth to An audience or to to a consumer. And you know, I think a lot of, of my process about the heavy uh, rationalizing and showing almost the dissertation stems from just the institute I came from of design and being, you know, conscious of justifying why you are making something and, and why something must exist is incredibly important. You know, resources shouldn't be wasted and time shan't be wasted. So One should know what they wish to put forth and and why. Not that you need to be interrogated, but there should be a real reason to it. And of course, the Cold War started off as a a dissertation think piece I wrote before any proposition of garment was put forth. It was always just a a 2,000-word think piece I wrote um, after stopping my work with Off-White and Donda. Uh, I'm spending a bit more time in, in, in the UK and in London. I just wanted to write about what was happening here in contrast, to what was happening uh, in, in Paris or in New York or whatnot?
0: Um, yeah, well, that, that, that's that's a you know that, that's actually what we've been talking about. How it's moved from dissertation to this, from a, an intellectual exercise to mm-hmm. a actually maybe it is a more instinctual exercise yep. now. there is there is a sort of physicality to it now. Yeah, mind you know that's the also the boy to man is it's, mind, it's, it's almost mind to body or something as well. The two in cohesion. Whereas one may
3: have been, you know, slightly more obtruse than the other. Now the two feel like they're in complete balance. What I'm writing and saying is is a bit more clear for a start. It's less heady, which always helps. But also you can see it in the proposal of garments and the offering put forth. The two align, whereas previously maybe there were moments when I was actually speaking to the wrong demographic as well. And it wasn't necessarily
0: connecting. And that was the demographic you're speaking to.
3: To now. Mm. Um, Well, there's this complete honesty to speak to the people who I dearly respect and find interesting. Uh, Those are the artisans, the novelists, the people who who enjoy uh, Mm. education and learning and and design and process
0: and structure. So mindset rather than age group. It's
3: exactly that. This Mm. is a completely timeless proposal and that will be shown in, in the collection Um, by means of casting as well. You know, this idea of time lapse and time being quite lucid um, in physical space uh, is really interesting. It's this idea of the metaphysical coming back into play. I was was listening to this talk by John Paulson um, last night. It's a seven-minute talk on designing Bada. It was talking about how physicality can render the metaphysical and and how the two kind of overlap in in, in a sense of consciousness and and emotion. And that will be seen um, tangibly casting garment quality color tone um, all of that will be in play do you feel do you feel a sense of urgency I feel a bit more um, at ease now because the collection is finished and there was an urgency to re-engineer and and um, you know almost dismantle carve away and and reconstitute personally myself as I move closer to 30 and more further into fatherhood and secondly, um, you're 28 now. 28, yeah. You have yeah. a while to think. <laughs>
0: <laughs> TikTok, Two TikTok, years, TikTok, the world's going to change on oh, TikTok. TikTok. Are you watching Watchmen. Got down TikTok. TikTok, TikTok Seven hundred days. Mm. Um,
3: but, but in all honesty, um, there was a rush to almost follow up a decision that I've consciously made that I will not compromise, um, you know, the offering and, and and vision and philosophy of myself, and it will be aligned with a cold war. Was previously i felt a little what is that philosophy can you can you uh, nutshell that for yeah, me yeah i mean i think it's just a, a value system based on on on, on learning and uh, education and the arts and, um, and and critical thought is probably the best way to put it and that being um, the truth and i feel like i'm really telling my truth now and i haven't felt like that since maybe, you know, the first or second year of, of a Cold War. You said your dad was a pastor. He was a, yeah, he was a neo-Christian um, leftist pastor in Marxist Brixton in the late 80s and early 90s.
0: And your mum was
3: a sociologist. Yeah, sociologist and psychology, Psych. lecturer.
0: Can you see yourself as your parents' child?
3: Oh, through and through now, through and through. And often look back with a slight eye and be like, you molded me. You know, but I, I see it, the value system that they put forth and the lives that they live and still, you know, continue to live um, has really shaped me to a certain degree. Um, and I see my father in myself more and more every day, just in terms of growing compassion. And, and it's interesting, if you go onto Wikipedia, random but relative thought, um, my father is listed as a philosophical mystic um, who actually influenced the, um, the thought process of um, a uh, philosopher who's actually active now who goes by the name of Muji um, who has millions of views on YouTube and whatnot. He was also, you know, had his moment. Muji.
0: Muji, yeah. M-U-J-I.
3: Um, M-O-O-J-I. Uh-huh. Yeah, if you throw him into YouTube or whatnot, millions of views. But um, there's a testimony there to... Him being my father and it being this philosophical awakening. So, actually, you know, the value proposition I'm putting forth have already existed uh, within my family line and lineage prior. I'm just almost continuing to tell that narrative and uh, modernizing the means in which it's told.
0: Does the notion of heroism intrigue you?
3: Yes, it, it does, part conscious, part subconscious. Um, you know, being one of the older cousins. Uh, from, you know, a close group of cousins and, and a younger sister kind of made a decision that I want to almost be the anchor of the family uh, and almost be um, that point of, uh, you know, service or help if, if need be. And that that philosophy is definitely carried forth into this idea of um, delivering a, a, a very concise uh, and liberated message through the means of a Cold War. You're going to need to have a lot more children
0: one at a time. Something else that um, Virgil once said about you two um, and your relationship is that you were part of a much bigger game than fashion, and he actually did mention the word revolution. Mm -hmm. Um, How do you feel about that notion that fashion might just be one thing you're doing in as as you're in this sort of cultural vanguard, that is not just about changing the way people dress, but the mm. way people live.
3: I think it's it's. I think firstly his quote is is correct. I think the quote is true. Um, I believe fashion is always going to be a macro form of communication, and it's one of the most um, intelligible and emotional ways to speak to people, regardless if the topic is emotional or not. Um, so I'm definitely invested uh, in 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 communicating through garment. but also um, I do operate. One could say as like a, as an industrial designer who, who now designs furniture for public space. I, I, I won the Hublot Design Award at Serpentine Galleries in, in September, which is brilliant. Showing you know um, public furniture and this um this this refuge point. Uh, that I developed which was to be placed in, in public spaces uh, as a point of emergency um, for those in need or who are less fortunate, um, Mike and I developed an uh, antifungal um, woven blanket which took uh, recycled uh, polyester and plastic bottles woven into a, a thread which was paired with a, a aluminium thread which of course pushed away dirt from the body and acted as a cleanser which it's fabric related, but it's not fashion related. It's, it's public service and it, it, it's industrial design coming forth. So there is this almost uh, allegiance to a greater cause, which really is embedded in altruism and servitude and pushing forward the you know the public psyche and the collective consciousness, which is a real thing. And I feel just as passionate on those endeavours as I do,
0: you know, when I'm creating a collection and putting forth that proposal well from year 1 to year 5 and this being a new chapter do you have in your mind what you want the next chapter to be and the chapter after that you talk about 10 15 years can you see a cold wall in 15 years you you it's interesting how many offshoots you you you, mm-hmm. you do from that set from the core, mm-hmm. you shoot off into all these other companies under different names. I'm trying doing... to
3: chop them off at the moment. Are oh, you? Yeah. I'm oh. trying to. I've, I've closed Concrete Objects. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I rather have, like that name. It's brilliant, but it's, <laughs> it's gone into SRA now, Sam Watson Associates, which will oh. stay. But it's a slow burn with that one. It's one or two public uh, conversations or products per year. And so I'm, I'm kind of learning, um, again, what was excitement and opportunity versus what is necessary conducive work um so polyphen optics still exists i'm keeping it very quiet that is streetwear poly polyphen optics
0: polyphen optics
3: and it's a niche streetwear brand that i've been running for about two years now which is the sister brand to a cold wall and it's very discreet and it's very low-key and, and that serves a specific community and will continue to serve that community, which is super important. And of course, there was um, a few other endeavours. But right now, again, with purging and allowing a lot of noise to kind of fall away from my process, it's reflected in, in, in the garments refining, but also how my mind operates and what is necessary to be focusing on and what is not necessary so, so can you see five years, 15, 10 years, 15? I can see 10 years of a coral very clearly now.
0: And what does it look like in 10 years?
3: It looks like um, systems uh, of, of garment design. It, it looks like um, it looks like language and it, it looks like um, it will stay as close. I'm not going to offshoot too far, but it, it looks like and system and it looks like functionality. Uh, and I'm quite exciting. I'm quite excited to keep uh, pushing forward in that space. and continuing the risks to be a lot more informed
0: as a cold war grows. I hope I'm still around to see it, Samuel. You'll
3: you'll be around. (laughs) You'll definitely be here.
0: (laughs) Thank you very much. Thank you for your time, Tim.
4: If you enjoyed this conversation, you might also be interested in joining BOF's global membership community, BOF Professional. Our members receive exclusive deep dive analysis in our Daily Digest email, as well as unlimited access to our archive of over 10,000 articles, our new iPhone app, special print issues, and all of our online courses and learning materials from BOF Education. For a limited time only, we're offering our podcast listeners an exclusive 25% discount on your first year of an annual BOF professional membership. To get this special offer, click on the link in the episode notes, select the annual package, and enter the special code PODCAST2019 at checkout. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Please leave us a rating if you did, and don't forget to share it with your friends.
5: Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash B-O-F, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash B-O-F to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash B-O-F.
1: Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? For me, I got a chef grade range recently, and now I'm cooking new things every single night. Seriously, no cuisine is off limits. Luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer